We're turning again to our Bible reading in Genesis chapter 24. <clears throat> we're looking at various passages that we've read together. Here we have recorded in probably one of the longest chapters in the Bible, one of the oldest love stories ever recorded in the Word of God. And the narrative relates to us how Abraham sent his servant to seek out a wife for his son. And in great detail, the journey of Abraham's servant, Eliezer, is recorded. And the chapter concludes with a very happy and blessed marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. So, in wonderful detail as you go through this a very protracted chapter, is conveyed to us something richer and deeper than a mere historical account. Matthew Henry, he suggests that Isaac is a type of Christ and the fetching of the bride for Isaac can be taken to signify the ingathering of the bride. The ingathering of the bride by the agency of God's servants or many believe by the instrumentality of the Spirit of God who sent out to draw in a bride for the Saviour. And I believe it's providential that we come to this passage at the start of the old, of the old year and the new year because as we launch out in this new year, here and on along, what are we doing, brethren and sisters? We have to have our focus. We are doing what Eliezer did in Genesis chapter 24. We are seeking out a bride for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our business to seek out a bride for him and to see that sinners would be brought to him and brought to saving faith in God's own dear son. To see the elect of God brought into the fold and family of God. And it's a work that we have to do with the same diligence, with the same urgency as Eliezer did all of those years ago in Genesis chapter 24. I always find it impossible when I read down these verses, uh, the like of Genesis chapter 24, just to overlook them. There's so many things that we can uh, learn from them. Now we're not going to go into uh, the chapter detail by detail. I, I have done that in days gone by. But I'm going to look at it in an overview, just a bird's eye overview tonight. Because that bird's eye overview will teach us the same truth. How you and I and Anna Long are put here by God to seek out a bride. For his son, the Lord Jesus, here in this part of Lower Morn. Let's firstly learn as we go about this business that this is the purpose of the Father. It's always good when you go out to do something to do it with a purpose. You know, if you have no purpose in what you're doing, you never do it, right? But if you know that you've sent, you've been sent on a divine mission and you've been sent even with a divine purpose, you'll do it. You'll do it as unto the glory of God. We read in verse 4 that Abraham said to his servant, Thou shalt not go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. The father had but one purpose. The servant was to go just for one purpose. He wasn't going there for recreation. He wasn't going there, as it were, to connect with old relatives and bring them together. He was going there with this one purpose in mind. He was going to seek out a bride for Isaac. And it's even more significant when we think of the context. Now context is everything. 
in our study of the word of God. So in Genesis chapter 22, we have Isaac and Abraham and they're going up Mount Moriah. And there we have that great offering up of Isaac on Mount Moriah. And it's a very lively representation of the Son of God being offered up. On that day in Genesis 22, there was a ram caught in the thicket. But when the Lord Jesus Christ was offered up, there was no alternative. He had to be slain. And he was put to death. And the sacrifice, the sacrifice having been made, typically in Genesis chapter 22, now with all haste, with all haste and urgency, a bride has been sought out for this Isaac. In the New Testament, the shadows of Genesis 24, they take on, I think, deeper, richer significance and relevance. We've looked at some of these passages last year. We looked at Ephesians chapter 5, that great chapter that portrays uh, the church as the bride of Christ. And Christ has a bride. And we thank God the Bible tells us that Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. Who did he give himself for? His bride. And we're told in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 9 that the bride is the lamb's wife. So the great sacrifice of Calvary is finished. Genesis 22. New Testament sacrifice completed. Now you and I are commissioned in the light of that great sacrifice. The work has been done to go and seek out a bride for his son. We can go and tell men and women, boys and girls and young people and on along, you don't have to work at it. Jesus has finished the work. You don't have to strive at it because all the striving has been finished and all the working has been fulfilled. Christ fulfilled it all. It's lovely to go and tell of God's completed divine purpose. To fulfill the Father's purpose, Abraham's servant was commissioned in a most solemn manner. The Bible tells us he had to put his hand under uh, Abraham's thigh. This was a very symbolic way. He, he was now undertaking all that this old man had given him to do. He was laying his all upon what the old man had given him to do. He was commissioned and he was bound by the most strongest ties that he had to go. And we're no less bound, brethren and sisters. There's a binding upon us. There's a vow upon us. If you turn over with me, please, to the New Testament, and you'll see what I mean. In Mark's Gospel, we'll have the shortest uh, uh, rendering there of the Great Commission. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. This is how we are bound. We are bound by this. Mark 16, 15, 16. We read, Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and underlined it in your Bible, you preach, you preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. We've been talking in the midweek over the past weeks of the importance of preaching and the centrality of preaching in the house of God. And we're, we're very thankful that this is a preaching house. Regardless of what anybody else thinks about it, we're here to preach the word of the living God in season and out of season. And it doesn't matter what success somebody's getting doing something else up the road or down the road. We're duty bound just to preach. We're not here to dramatize it. We're not here to act it. We're not here to do anything else but to preach it. To preach the gospel. That's our mandate. 
And by God's grace and enablement, that's what we'll be doing week by week. And the Bible tells us those that believe the gospel and are baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The emphasis is upon the believing. It's upon the believing. And we're glad tonight that we're here to preach that gospel again so that you might believe, so that sinners might believe and hear the glorious evangel of God's amazing grace. I think the great tragedy of this age in which we live in is summarized in the fact, brethren and sisters, that the church waits for the bride to come in instead of going out to bring the bride in. The church is waiting for the bride to come in, for the sinner to come in, instead of going out to seek the bride. Seek the bride. There's some young men, you know, and they, they have... They're quite naive in how they seek out a bride, a future wife. They just think if they wait at home, God in his sovereignty is going to bring that choice lady into their lives. But the Bible says, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favour of the Lord. There has to be the seeking. There has to be the finding. There has to be the searching. But when it comes to the spiritual realm, somehow or another we seem to put it all upside down. We don't really follow through on what we're saying. We've got to go. Now this year and on alone we're planning to go. And we have prepared, uh, as we come up to the mission with the, the Reverend Martin once again, uh, our analog anglers in the production line. And we'll be going out and we'll be giving it out in round the village and in round the district, inviting sinners in. But do you wait to then? You don't have to wait to then. You can do it now. Speak to some soul this week and bring them in. If you bring them into an alone church, they'll hear the gospel. And they'll hear words whereby they might be saved. You don't have to wait for some guest evangelist to come. The great evangel is preached here week by week. And it's your job and my job to go and to seek that bride, to seek that sinner for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's very encouraging here. It blessed my heart this week to note it down once again. That... The Bible tells us that God had purposed that Rebecca would come before Rebecca, before Rebecca knew it herself. Look at verse 4. Genesis 24 and 4. Thou shalt go and take a wife unto my son Isaac. The servant was full of questions. But Abraham was full of assurance. And the careful reader of the word of God will have already noticed that, uh, Re although Rebecca didn't know of Abraham's plans for her, Rebecca didn't know anything about Abraham. He was a distant relative, but Abraham knew all about Rebecca. And how do I know that? Well, Genesis chapter 22, verse 20 to 23, it gives a long list of names. Uh, we, we read it from verse 20, chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things, it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor, Huz, his firstborn, and Buz, his brother, and Kemuel, the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazor, and Phildash, and Jiplad, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was Ramah. She also bare Teba, and Gamha, and Tathash, and 
Madaga, isn't it? Well, you don't have to introduce all of those to your in-laws, isn't it? But Rebecca's in there, verse 23. He knew about her. She was there. And what precious truths are suggested here. Before we knew of God's purpose for us, God had a purpose for us. Before we knew anything about salvation, God had a plan that we would hear about salvation. Before anybody reached us, God had a plan that someone would come and reach us. That's the amazing sovereignty of God in salvation. Why do we love him tonight, brethren and sisters? Because he first loved us. And he had a plan for us. And that divine purpose of God in salvation, it was all going to be fulfilled. And there's not one of you in the meeting tonight that's here or listening in. There's not one that the Father doesn't know all about you. And the Father has a plan for you. And you're here in the uh, mighty plan of Almighty God for your soul. I want you to notice secondly, if you go down to verse 32 and 33. Because we've been mentioning the preaching. Now let's think of the proclamation of this servant. What did he go and tell? Verse 32 and verse 33. And the man came into the house and he ungirded his camels and gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And uh, there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, speak on. When Laban, that's Rebecca's uh, relation saw that Eliezer had gold and, and riches and uh, silver to offer him. Well, he was a shrewd operator. He invited him back into his house. And there every provision was made for him. I, I'm not too sure the provision was made out of genuine hospitality or because Laban saw all of the riches and the gold that Eliezer brought with him. But regardless, the house and the stable were both well furnished and Abraham's servant, he, he was told, you make use of whatever is here. It's all yours. You make good use of it. He had come on a long journey. He was tired. He needed refreshed and washed. And he was hungry. He needed to rest. But he refused it all until he had told his errand. He had to speak in his master's name. He had come to fulfill that commission that Abraham had given to him. And he couldn't rest, he couldn't eat, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't wash until he had unburdened his heart to the household. To proclaim the message, of course, it means you and I, we have to forego certain things. We have to forego our own time. We have to give of our own uh, abilities and talents to the Lord's work and to the Lord's cause. And we have to invest it in his cause. Why? Because we have a divine errand to fulfill and a purpose to carry out. As we read through this chapter, we, we can't fail but to notice how Eliezer, so quickly, when he starts to speak, he introduces the vast resources of his father. Look what he said in verse 35. The Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. We should never make our God to be a small God. We should never make our Heavenly Father to be some type of miser who holds things deliberately back from people. Because we have a great God. One who is open-handed. One who is generous. One who loves to bestow blessing upon his people and upon his children 
and upon his church. With the great God, we, we have no reason to be quiet or to be silent. Don't be quiet or silent this week. With a great God, with a great master, and you can speak with confidence in his name. And then the, the servant went on. He not only wanted to speak about how great his master was, but he wanted to speak about his master's son. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he hath. What a lovely picture. Because we know that the son is the joint heir to all that the father hath. And all that the father has belongs to the son. And the father has given everything into the hand of the son. And now this servant he goes and he's talking about the master. But he's also, he wants to introduce at the earliest part of the conversation, the name of the son. Now, brethren and sisters, let you and I learn the lesson there. In our conversations with other people, do your utmost best, your utmost best, to introduce the name of Jesus, to tell them about the Father's Son. It doesn't matter if they don't agree with you in other things, but tell them about the Father's Son. Because the Father so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son. Tell them about the Son. What a marvellous message is the gospel. The, the message of the gospel is just summarised. It's a message about the Son. The Son who thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he was God. But the Son who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that's the one whom we're called to speak for and to speak about. And what a privilege to go and to tell his name. If God gives you opportunity this week, the Lord brings you across some dear soul. May God put in your heart the word that will speak just the word about the Son. And may you get the opportunity to put the name of Jesus just in that place again. Oh, that we might speak well of the Father's Son and of his wonderful grace. There are many commentators in the sea here, the work of the Spirit of God. And I... I see the work of the Spirit of God here through Eliezer, not just the work of his servants, because God the Holy Spirit works through his servants. Remember that. He works through instruments. He works through vessels of clay. And God sends us out and he fills us as vessels of clay and he uses us. And it's the Spirit's work to take the things of Christ and apply them onto the hearts and lives of those that we come into contact with. John 16, verse 8 to verse 11. Enabled by the Holy Spirit. May God touch these lips of mine this week. To be led as Eliezer was to a Rebecca. And to speak of the master's son. That that individual might be wrought upon by the Spirit of God. And brought to faith in Christ. I want you to notice thirdly here. The promptness of Rebecca's response is really very wonderful in and of itself. We're told in verse 23 to 25 that room was made for Eliezer. And Rebecca was very quick to respond. The summons from Abraham received in the tent of hearing by her. She, she, she was not negligent in it in any shape or fashion. We read 
that Eliezer said to her, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him, We have both strong provener enough and room to lodge in. She was open. She was inviting. She was already engaging with him. And she had an ear for what this stranger had to say. I love it when people have an ear to hear what you have to say. When you find someone with an ear to hear what you have to share with them, you can be sure that God has already been at work in their heart and God has already been at work in their life. Oh, may the Lord lead us to those who have an ear for hearing the gospel this week. That they have an ear for hearing. Eliezer proved it. He, he, he tested the waters. He tested the, the leading of God, the guidance of God. And he proved it absolutely that this is an individual that has an ear to hear what I have to hear. And may the Lord give you tonight an ear to hear what God the Lord has to say to you. An ear to hear the gospel. Rebecca bore witness of what she had heard. She went back to her home and when verse 28 she told them of her mother's house these things. All that this stranger had told her, she went back and told them. And she related verbatim in the home. All of it. And of course the New Testament uh, counterpart is quite clear. We've looked at those verses over the last few weeks, Romans 10, that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And every time you hear the word of God, you should thank God that you have an opportunity to hear words again whereby you might be saved. It's no light thing to come and hear the gospel. Because there are millions on earth don't get that opportunity tonight. The opportunity that you have. There are millions that don't have that opportunity. Rebecca, it was nearly like a chance arrangement, but we learnt in the catechism there's no chance arrangement. There was a divine plan. That Eliezer would meet her just at the right time. She would have the right spirit, the right heart. And she would be open and inviting and take him back to the home. And when the time came to decide for a, a decision, she was prompt in her answer. It's amazing. Look in verse 58. When the question was put to her by her family, what a proposal of marriage. It wasn't her future husband on his knee in front of her. This was her own family saying, through Eliezer, because he had related the story. Are you going to go with this man? Will you go with this man? And she was convinced of the rightness of it. And she said, I will go. How simple it all was. I, I will go. And that's the response that the Spirit of God looks from your heart tonight. I will go. Not a maybe, not a perhaps, not a next week, not a next year, not a next month. Tonight, now, here in the service, in your seat, where you're, where you're seated, this very present moment, say to the Lord, I will go. I will come. I will believe. I will receive. As we sang in those lovely hymns earlier on this evening, I will believe. I do believe that Jesus died for me. You can do it where you're seated. That's the response. I will go. Once you say that, everything changes. Now she was on a pilgrimage. And I want you to notice, just in closing, the progress of this soul. 
the progress. What thoughts must have passed Rebecca's mind really as she journeyed with Eliezer to meet Isaac? She didn't know him. She didn't know Eliezer. She didn't know Isaac. And yet, there was somebody guiding her step by step along the journey. She was not left to stumble along because every provision had been made to bring her home safely. And every encouragement was given for her to make the journey. The gold, the silver was given to her, the gold that was given to her, the precious things that were given to her. There are some, of course, Christians and say that uh, it's nearly sinful for a lady to wear gold or silver or jewellery of any shape, size or form. It wasn't for Rebecca, was it? These were the encouragements that you had. And I want to think that you have received every spiritual encouragement. You don't need material encouragement, but you've received every spiritual encouragement to go with the Lord, to say, I will go. There are people praying for you, mothers and fathers loving, lovingly waiting to see their children come to faith in Christ. You have every spiritual encouragement to make that journey. What a picture we have here. Eliezer taking a Rebecca on that journey to meet the bride. And Rebecca was sustained on that long journey by what Eliezer told her. He talked to her by the way. And the weary males were quickened by the stories of what she heard. And I am sure she heard so much about Isaac concerning the character that he was and the nature of the man. What a man he really was. As we journey home to heaven, we need every encouragement. It's the Spirit of God who takes the Word of God and reveals to us what the, the, the heavenly bridegroom's really like. When we read this book, we, we learn more about Jesus. And the more we learn about him, well, the more we'll want to be with him. The more we'll want one day to fall at his feet and worship him. And as we journey home, our spirits need to be refreshed. By learning about Christ. In due course Rebecca's journey came to an end. You can read about that 63 to 67. What a joyous meeting that must have been. All her pilgrimage was over. Now she had arrived home. And Isaac went to meet her. He was in the field meditating. We thought about that this morning. He was meditating in the evening. And he went to meet his bride and he escorted her home. It's worth noting that this is the second mention of love in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 22, the first mention is the love of the father for the son. Because Abraham loved Isaac. And now we read, Isaac loved the bride. The love of the son for his bride. How the Lord Jesus loves his bride. Christ loved the church. He loved the church so much he laid down his life on Calvary for the church. And he loves the church so much he's coming back one day to escort her into the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's wonderful when you go to these weddings, you're escorted to your seat, you're shown where to go to and uh, you're, you're, you're brought into the, the banqueting hall and there the bridal party's there to meet you and to welcome you and say thank you for coming. One day we're going to be welcomed into that eternal banquet 
We're going to sit down with the saints of all ages and all generations. And we're going to be welcomed by our heavenly bridegroom. What love he has for us. Christian, it'll be worth it all. All the pilgrimage, all the questions, all the questions that day will be answered. They'll all be answered that day. I know some of you have questions that I or nobody else could give an answer to. I have questions that only Christ can give an answer to. But on that day it will all be answered. And we'll enter in and we'll sit down and we'll partake of that marriage supper of the Lamb and we'll bless the Lord for all eternity. What a day. Glorious day that will be. What of you the unsaved? What's the final step of the journey going to be for you? If today was your final day, if this was your final moment, if this was your final hour before we come to the close of the meeting, that time would be drawn to an end for you. Where would you be in God's great eternity? Let me tell you, it wouldn't be with the heavenly bridegroom. You'd be cast out. Cast out for all of God's eternity. Never to be allowed in. Now's your opportunity to say, I will. Now's your opportunity to uh, believe and receive and accept the gospel. To say, I will, to Christ tonight. What, what, a, what a chapter is Genesis chapter 24. Christ is church, eternity. It's all written here for our learning and our admonition upon whom the latter ends of the age.